0: Hello and welcome to the PK Soccer Youth Coaching Podcast with me, Paul Kelshaw. During this time, I will be discussing many topics surrounding the youth game and what people like myself are doing to improve the standards of coaching, player development, spectator understanding and personal growth, especially here in the US. I will be giving my opinion as well as talking to friends, colleagues, past and present, who have had a positive impact on my own personal coaching development but whom I also believe are having a positive impact in the game today. Today I am joined by my friend Hector Cano. Hector is currently an educator and girls soccer coach at El Sledder High School in El Paso, Texas. Hector is a proud U.S. Air Force combat veteran. I met Hector while we both attended the Premier Diploma with the United Soccer Coaches in Elmhurst, Illinois, just outside Chicago. In today's episode, we talk about Hector's time in the military and how that prepared him to teach and to coach soccer in his home state of Texas. Hi, Hector. Thanks you for joining me this evening. How are you doing today? Hey, PK. I'm doing
1: great. Thank you for having me.
0: No, you're welcome. So first, if um, you could just give us a brief introduction of how you got involved in coaching.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess the the long story short version is, um, had always been, obviously, uh, had always thought about coaching for years and years and years. And going back to when I was younger, I was always very intrigued by uh, by coaches. Uh, a lot of the coaches I had coming up, being a multi-sport athlete, um, I was int- very intrigued uh, by how coaches just operated, how they went about their business, how they looked at things, how they carried themselves and how they, you know, just what they said and, uh, and more importantly, their actions that followed what they said. And uh, so i always kind of thought about it. It was always in the back of my mind, but I never really fully thought that I could see myself doing it. Uh, and then along the way, you know, uh, military career when it was active duty and uh, got the, uh, the bug, Along the way, while I was playing and playing uh, in Europe, playing in European leagues and playing, you know, playing semi pro ball, um, coaching or playing on a couple of base varsity teams overseas. uh, Along the way, I kind of got lured into helping coach, uh, coach some teams and then helping out as well with uh, some local teams. And uh, that was the kind of the first inkling where I kind of had is like, hey, I, I, I like this. I really like this. Um, I feel comfortable. This kind of feels a little bit like, like my calling. And okay.
0: So, how did you um, get involved then in the military, in the Air Force?
1: Yeah. So I did. Uh, I did my time in the military in, uh, in the Air Force. I'm a retired Air Force veteran, and uh, I always knew. I think that while I knew I was inevitably going to finish uh, my education as far as college goes. Um, I kind of knew that coming out of uh, coming out of high school, that I was just I was just not in the mindset, I guess, if you will. And I was not I was not at the point in my life where I kind of wanted to just go sit in a classroom for another four or five years. Um, I wanted to go see the world, experience it. And uh, my my family, I come from a family that's very, very service oriented, that believes in. Service to community, country, uh, and and leaving things better than you found it. So I knew I knew early on that uh, about halfway through high school that at some point I was going to end up in the military. And sure enough, uh, within I would say I think six months six months of graduation, I uh, went ahead and enlisted active duty uh, in the United States Air Force.
0: So w- while you were Involved in the Air Force, you said you you in, you got to travel. So, were you you were exposed to um to to soccer in Europe within the bases? Or
1: I was it both first initially through the bases and then based upon my assignments uh, and as well as the you know different temporary duty assignments uh, in different places. Um, and you know how that's kind of the beauty of the game is sometimes. You may not know people, you may not speak the same language, but um, the ball, you know, the the ground is still flat everywhere. The ball is still round and you pick up and you play and you go. And um, that's that was one of the immediate common bonds was the game. And uh, after after an initial period where I was um, also uh, training uh, a lot of a lot of heavy duty training, I was able to finally have opportunities to where I could I could play. And uh, yes, first initially through bases and then ultimately through, uh, through base varsity teams helping out their coaching and then also playing in the, uh, you know, the, the NATO and these European, European leagues for the Armed Forces, Armed Forces European leagues in different areas and then getting to play uh, some semi-pro ball along the way.
0: So with that background, has that, what kind of an impact has that had on your, on your coaching? Especially like your philosophy, or just your outlook on the game—the
1: military background in particular, or yeah. the entire experience.
0: Really, just I'm um, really that military training that um, you know that you know we, we can sometimes talk about that um, that soccer that a soccer game is a war or a soccer game is a battle, but it, it it's probably nothing compared to to what you've been you've experienced what kind of those experiences those um how was that transferred onto the soccer field for you as a coach
1: yeah um absolutely i think it was the one thing you find the one thing you learn right away in the military whether you do four years six years uh, a 20 your 20 years 20 plus years and retire is the military is a great motivator and you quickly Learning what it is that uh, that you're good at or what it is that you want to do beyond the military and what you quickly also learn uh, to be self-sufficient, to be in- independent. You have to. And uh, and with that comes is is the discipline, the discipline, the daily, you know, the consistent uh, discipline that comes with being in the military uh, and the structure, you know, the, the, the structure in training. And hey, if things are going to be done, if things are worth doing, they're worth doing the correct way. Um, and sometimes that philosoph- that philosophical approach of, okay, let's identify what is the right way. Um, all of those things, uh, they play major factors um, as far as the, the order, the discipline, the structure, um, and also the the flexibility and the, the ability to adapt, the ability to uh, improvise sometimes on the fly and improv, uh, being able to make these very similar to the game when you're coaching, where you can make a in-game adjustment, um, as a coach, cause there, there really aren't, you don't, you don't get the opportunity to call timeout. You either have, you have pregame pregame halftime, halftime's your real time where you can really kind of make adjustments. Otherwise you're kind of making them in the run of play as best as you can. And that's very similar. In terms of an analogy, that's very similar to what you would kind of experience in a in a combat setting, in a situation where uh, where the scenarios and the situations can quickly change against you or in your favor.
0: Yeah, I could I could imagine, um, you know, that that leadership, that uh, teamwork, that communication, got to be a, a big part there, and you know, a good thing that you can transfer those skills. You know, onto the soccer field and into the uh, the other coaching jobs that you've uh, that you've had over the years. Could you yeah, ex- could absolutely. you talk then about so um so what uh, you le- How long were you in the military for?
1: So officially, uh, so I retired a few years early. Uh, so I was offic- I had the opportunity to to retire a few years early. So essentially, I got my credit for doing twenty years, but I actually retired. Just under 18 years, and uh, so the uh, Uncle Sam afforded me the opportunity to to retire uh, slightly early, and uh, great, obviously a great pension opportunity. And I was I was at the stage in my life where I knew, um, in discussions with you know with my wife and factoring in what was in the best interest for my family, I was at the stage in my life to where I also knew that. Um, Besides wearing the uniform, serving my country, and you know, and service, uh, that the next calling was going to be service to community uh, through, you know, and impacting, you know, the youth through coaching, and I was re- I was ready to do that.
0: That's a, a really good thing that you said about service in the community. Obviously, with with my work on, on obviously a, a lot lower scale, um, I've been big on you know, I'm working in the community, especially, um, I work for a community soccer club. It's all about, um, about the kids that are from that area, getting them to play together, making them better people. Um, and I'm, and again, lived in my own, my own hometown for close to 11 years as well. Tried to be, you know, active in the community, be a positive role model to you know, to the kids and obviously my own children. So that's that's a really a really good thing. I think a something that'll um community pride. I, I saw something today I was reading. It can be sometimes something that is lost, um, especially in soccer. Um, Absolutely. so that's an that's um a really good thing to do. Yeah. And I know we had we briefly talked as well about some of your uh, your the injuries that you'd sustain mm-hmm. while while in combat um and i was i was really interested about how you know your mental strength as well of overcoming that and those um could you talk a little bit about that and and how that's really give you given you that like desire to to want to succeed on on the soccer field
1: yeah absolutely i think that you know i wish uh i wish i could just say that it would be something as simple as, hey, I knew I was, uh, <laughs> when I was uh, wounded, that I was gonna immediately uh, start walking again and that everything was perfect. I knew from the start and that it was a breeze and that I never had any self doubt, but I'd be lying. I think uh, um, the truth is, is that's actually, that's completely natural. It's complete, you know, it's complete human instinct to the, the self doubt, the wondering, hey, will I ever, what I ever walk again is 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 what the doctor's saying really true uh in terms of you know never being able to possibly you know be a father one day um all of those things so uh but I think that along the way and, and like anything else you know there's there's stages where the uh whether it be um you know the the, the denial and then the uh the actual the I guess that with the feeling, you know, for lack of better words, the feeling sorry for oneself. And then once, once you go through those initial stages and it's like, okay, it's time to, uh, you know, it's time to kick in and it's time to, you know, it's time to go to work and tackle it just like everything else, you know, that I've, I had been known to, you know, take upon my attitude towards everything else at that point. So I think once, once I was done going through those stages and, and feeling sorry for myself, um, I realized that, you know, I started to realize, and I think one of the great motivators is that along the way I was surrounded by great friends uh, that, you know, either they had it far. Once I, once I really looked around me as bad as I thought I had it, I really realized that I had made out okay because some friends came back missing limbs. Some, some friends came back, you know, burnt, you know, to put it bluntly, you know, burnt beyond recognition and still alive, and then where, and, you know, and and I quickly realized that what, you know, what's my, what's my problem here? It's like someone's always going to have it worse, so along the way, um, once I got over that process, that stage, uh, and was kind of reinvigorated, I guess, if you will, um, motivated again, the power of The power of great, uh, you know, great, incredible doctors, incredible, you know, nurses, physical therapists that had to put up with me (laughs) and uh, as well as, you know, my family and friends and prayer, you know, uh, all of those things combined, I think it was just I was uh, I was one of the lucky ones is uh, and what I quickly realized that every day after that, when I was able to recover was was me trying to honor uh, fellow veterans, friends uh, and the family members who lost loved ones that didn't come back. Uh, so to make to make every day count uh, and to, you know, and nothing on, even on its, even when I have a frustrating day, a bad day, I, uh, I quickly, you know, I quickly have to step back and realize that refocus and uh, zoom back in, get locked in and realize that in the grand scheme of things, what, what other people have overcome compared to me. And then of course, what I've already kind of seen paled in compare, you know, it, what I'm going through now, paled in comparison to that. Right.
0: Well, you know, I could, o- you can only imagine, but I, when you think about, um, you know, you think if, if, if as a coach, you think you're having a bad day. I've never been through any, anything, anything close to that, but having that, so positive and just so rewarding to hear you talk about though that you know that desire and that especially and um you know overcoming that like we might think that i've had a bad day but i wasn't i didn't have to like teach myself how to walk again (laughs) i didn't have to uh you know i'd not um and i I could just imagine having that that belief and that and that pride and, and overcoming that um you know is is a, a huge quality that um, we need people like that in soccer and how so from so from then leaving the military from from retiring mm-hmm. uh, how did you then get back involved into soccer in Texas yeah
1: so uh, <clears throat> what I'm, what kind of happened was so you know kind of while I was still I had a very unique opportunity While I was still active duty, uh, one of my final assignments um, was a a special assignment to the uh, Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. And while I was there, I was I was a uh, what was known as a uh, military training instructor. And uh, but I was wearing multiple hats and I was also I was coaching and I was. I had been selected to coach initially when I first arrived at the, uh, the prep school. And so when you hear prep school, you think high school, but it was not a high school. It was a, a very unique uh, environment, which was a it's a post high school 10 month graduate program to prepare uh, recently high school graduated students for the actual Air Force Academy. Um, and in many cases, it's uh, many, uh, many student athletes attend there. Uh, to help prepare them. And it's, it's kind of a crash course into military training, the academic rigors of the actual air force Academy. And uh, so I had the opportunity to coach the, the women's soccer program there and uh, very successful uh, timeframe uh, while I was there. I was very blessed there. And then uh, along the way, I got called up to actually uh, help first initially as a kind of a uh, direct director of soccer operations uh, with the D1 women's program uh, on, up on the hill as we call it and then later uh, as an as an assistant coach in my time there before leaving there so um, that was kind of where what helped really further uh, launch my career I guess if you will and also um, help me kind of really find my passion uh, where I was kind of really locked in it's like okay. This is definitely this is definitely what I want to what I need to be doing at some point because I would, you know, if uh, if I had to do it for free, I I would do it for free and still feel like like I was getting paid, you know, like I was getting paid. I was still still felt like a rich man at the end of the day, even on the frustrating days that we all of a, all those coaches have. Um, it felt uh, it wasn't a job. It wasn't even a Similar to the military, it, I didn't, I've didn't. i never viewed coaching as a job or a career, but a calling. Uh, and it's one thing that I think in terms of our, not even our industry, but I call it our craft, is something us as coaches have to take back, uh, take charge of, and and kind of be the gatekeepers and, and protect it and take pride in, in viewing it as our craft and being lifelong learners of the game and lifelong developers of you know of the kids that play it. yeah
0: that that's a really good thing that you say because i i also um kind of find that that i like that you said that that's the, your calling i i found that as well i um especially with with the younger ages i i find that my calling as well just trying to help help youth you know, get them moving, get them active, getting them enjoying the game, trying to set, be a positive role model. So it's always, it's always good to hear, um, you know, that there's like-minded people out there in trying to, you know, to improve and make people better. One thing I would be interested in hearing about is as well, I'm going to imagine that uh, the players that you had in this environment were super fit and athletic. But I'm sure it was a very structured environment. Was there room for these players to to have creativity while while they were playing? Uh, what kind of player were was playing in in these military games that and you were the coach for or the military school
1: yeah uh, definitely you know definitely structured, definitely disciplined, but also um, obviously you know um, the my time at the Air force academy also and not just my time at the air force academy it it my time in the military, my time in the Air Force, it helped um, kind of alluding back to what we had uh, previously discussed was the it helped develop the, the those core values in terms of from the uh, from the Air Force as far as, you know, in- integrity first, you know, service before self and excellence and all excellence and all we do. Um, those three, they 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 really helped mold me in terms of a a lifestyle, a, a, just a way you view things every day, every single thing in or out of uniform. So that coupled with, you know, our uh, our philosophy while I was at the Air Force Academy, um, it was really a, of course, a, you know, all, all the, the things you would come to expect of a service academy in terms of discipline, structure, order, leadership, character, character being a big one. But also with that. Um, was was the, the the pushing them to 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 be just that is to be creative that we didn't have on the field. That's the thing about the game is that the more you try to put your thumbprint on someone and hold them down, it's uh, inevitably it's the the freedom to express oneself. Um, and certain things may be practiced, they may be choreographed. But in the end, the game—the game is the game—and uh, to try to to try to put somebody, you know, uh, an entire team, even if they're they're cadets at a you know at a service academy, you try to put them in a box, and you're gonna quickly realize that it's they're still, even though that they're military members, they're service they're members uh, at a service academy, they're still they're still human. They still come with different personalities. They still come with with different backgrounds, different outlooks on life, and the beauty of them is how they can all really come together into one one team, one true melting pot of a team. But yet, still, when they're on the field, it's like a hey, here's what we're trying to do as a team, here's our objective. But individually, you know, here here is your role, but have at it. You know, uh, don't just uh, it's not you're not locked into just this rigidness. Of this regimented just one way only yep and that's it
0: so from so from this position as the as uh, you're an athletic director correct
1: correct well was, I was,
0: after was I retired, different...
1: yeah after I retired and I was uh, in uh, moved to San Antonio because I was also uh, attending grad school while I was there I started off initially uh, part-time, ironically, uh, while I was, co- I was also coaching club, I was coaching uh, for a local club there uh, in uh, the uh, Elmo Heights area, uh, there in San Antonio. And then also started, you know, one of the things that I looked at was I wanted to, how I kind of came across high schools was, I think you're very familiar, is this, this somewhat, this banter between club coaches and high school coaches. You know, where club coaches looking down on high school coaches in terms of they're all no good. They're, the generalization and the, the stereotype of, hey, they all just they all just run. They, they don't do anything else. The coach just rolls the ball out. They don't know what they're doing. And then you have uh, not all, of course, but then. And then the, the general, I guess, stereotype of high school coaches saying that club coaches are it's all about the money and blah, blah, blah. Um, so rather than rather than, I guess, contribute to the stereotype, I wanted to go and experience it for myself. And I wanted to say, hey, you know, rather I said I want to go learn because that's kind of been my it's always been my thing is let me dive in and experience it versus, well, this is what I hear, so I don't want to do this, or I should do this because this is what I'm told. Um, so that natural, I guess that natural curiosity, um, I was able to get an opportunity at uh, a local local private school there in San Antonio, St. Mary's Hall, uh, which had a great, great coach, great athletic director, great athletic staff, and it's very much as a private school um, it functioned the athletic department there functioned very much almost like a like a small I guess D three liberal liberal arts college I guess if you will okay. and uh, and it was a great opportunity and while I was there I was able to land um, uh, in my time there I was eventually hired as an assistant athletic director
0: so if you've you've gone from you know training you know military cadets, Air Force cadets, to then go into a, a you know, a school with, with a liberal arts kind of feel, must have been a big contrast there in, in the type of player that you were, were coaching. Were, were there big differences?
1: Yes. Uh, yes. And I, I think the player, ironically, wasn't the big difference. I think a little bit more was the, I guess, the community, if you will. You know just the general community uh there were some yes there were you're right in saying there were some differences but there were good differences there were differences that i felt that um it's just another opportunity to expose me to another a different uh not a different way of thinking but just a different set of experiences um in terms of the kids the the parents and and to be honest while i was there it was I viewed I viewed the school very much as a uh, St. Mary's Hall and, you know, the our athletic department, our senior administration. I viewed it. I held them in extremely high regard because they came they came at a time frame in my life that was pivotal because I think one of the things that's near and dear to my heart and being an advocate for uh, for veterans and veteran, you know, veterans of affairs is those first five years post post. post retirement post separation are for a veteran they're very critical in terms of you know what what path their their life inevitably takes and i know um, i'm very involved in that in terms of being a, an advocate for you know obviously sui- you know veteran suicide awareness and whatnot so i knew that those first 5 years are pivotal and you know yeah. uh, St Mary's Hall you know, the community and the opportunity to be able to work with great coaches, a great athletic department, a great administration. They, um, they let me run with it. They, they saw, they saw a little bit of what I could bring to the team and uh, they afforded me a countless number of opportunities that I was, you know, forever grateful for, because, you know, here I am, here I am now, uh, over five, five and a half years, uh, um, it's actually yeah. It'll be six years in August actually uh, that that I've been retired now, and I'm still. Uh, it's funny to say, but I'm still learning how to, uh, I guess, in air quotes, how to be a civilian again. So, uh, so yeah. So it's it's been great.
0: So doing all, doing all, um, all this, you know, trying to like reinstate yourself back as a civilian and getting back into the to the workforce, and you said you were also a grad assistant. When did you have the time to be able to do your your United Soccer Coaches, your NSCAA licenses and diplomas?
1: Well, um, so along the way, so while in my time, while I was there in San Antonio, because I was in San Antonio for five years, and I was I coached club there for my first year there before I moved over exclusively to St. Mary's Hall and coaching, uh, coaching high school. Uh, but during those five years, um, obviously I attended, uh, I attended the, I attended the US uh, the USSFC license, and this was as they were going through these major major changes. So I attended one of the final. Uh, one of the final C's under the, I guess, previous uh, philosophy, I guess, if you will, the previous, the previous uh, kind of layout format, I guess. And uh, so I did, I did that, and then, in my time, one of the great things that I really truly valued about uh, my time on the high school side at St. Mary's Hall was they were really truly all about um, professional development. For all of their all of their staff, all of their faculty and staff, coaches included, and um, I was afforded the opportunity during uh, so during summer months um, to attend uh, a couple of different courses, to include my uh, my advanced national with which, of course, my advan- as you know, uh, my advanced national was uh, NS was under the old the previous NSCAA uh, tag. And then, of course, I think you and I uh, were when we met in Chicago uh, the following summer. Uh, I believe was 2017. I think um, where I attended the premiere during that summer is I attended the premiere course as well as the uh, the DOC, the Director of Coaching uh, course. And but more importantly, I think you and I, I think we kind of went. If I'm not mistaken, I think we went through the final premier course in in Chicago that was uh, under the old NSEAA uh title if i'm not mistaken
0: so- yeah i think it was that fall i think that fall we we finished the the course in the uh in the summer and it, i think it's i'm just off my off memory i think it was that fall that it mm-hmm. you know the rebranding form right. so we definitely were were one of the uh one of the things, because on a funny side note, um, you know, they give out, they give out the, the, the shirts for, for everyone to wear. And um, my, my, my NSEAA, like emblem, like fell off. It was just like an iron on patch. And (laughs) remember, remember the instructor, like, you know, everything was hush hush, but they just said, oh, you know, don't, don't worry about it. You know, (laughs) and I was like, uh, okay, okay. Okay. And then, and then, Let do you know you know a few months later it it was uh um it's probably you know the the changeover. but yeah um but that's excellent that we um symbolic foreshadowing i guess huh yeah but that's another good thing i hear about that you know getting to work for another uh, you know another institute that you know is big on education a lot of the people that I've, i've spoken to on the podcast they've worked for places that um, it's either well one of several things their family a- has been, been very supportive in their education uh, and their you know and their background and then the places that they work have been big on you know on helping them improve and and get better and and putting, you know helping them with uh, attend uh, the coaching licenses that are out there so that's another excellent thing to hear so now uh, we could talk about how after your time in san antonio you you moved back to your hometown is el paso your hometown
1: where you grew up
0: correct yes
1: yes it was uh hometown where i was uh born and for the most part raised
0: so how did the opportunity at east high school come about
1: well it's an interesting story uh um the so the uh again i'll try to make it quick but the long story short version is i uh so originally what i was looking at was i was actually looking so along the way i've kind of i've always had a very i've had a big passion for the college game and uh opportunities opportunities came up there was a couple of assistant opportunities at the the local university utep which is that's what it's known as locally here the university of texas el paso uh couple of assistant opportunities opened up uh and uh I was kind of in consideration but obviously didn't didn't come to fruition and they uh they went a different route and they had great hires of course uh made great selections in the two assistants that they did select um so there's obviously one doesn't feel so bad there when they when they kind of they aren't selected but they see that the quality of the individual that was selected you know is you know, is, is top shelf. So, um, so that, that kind of spurred on a conversation between, uh, between my wife and I of, Hey, what would, what would a move back, uh, back home, back to, you know, my hometown, you know, what would a move to El Paso still look like, particularly if I still pursued coaching, but maybe on, uh, on the high school front. And, um, You know, the big driving factor behind that was that was family. Uh, My parents were uh, I because I had been gone. uh, When I tell you, P.K., I've been gone. i had been gone for 23, you know, 23 years. Um, So in that time frame, obviously, a lot of things have happened. And uh, um, I kind of felt the uh, even though even though El Paso I had been and, you know, obviously would come back regularly hadn't been, and I've been gone for 23 years. It was still, still my hometown still near and dear to my heart and a place that is often, it's extremely unique. It's a very special place. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't get it until they spend time here, not when they're just passing through, but when they get, when they spend time here that uh, the people here, the strength of the city is, is uh, the strength of the city is its people. And, uh, you talk about the culture and a very, uh, a very, very shirt off, you know, shirt off your back kind of, kind of place, very warm place. And, uh, with my family, you know, parents getting older, some health issues, uh, we felt that maybe, you know, and with my, my two little ones, my two daughters, uh, we wanted, we wanted them to be around exposed to their, you know, to their grandparents a little bit more, yeah. uh, we felt like it was maybe the right time. And uh, so along the way, I looked at uh, started looking at high school opportunities and, uh, you know, just started kind of networking a little bit. And along the way, the uh, was notified that the uh, the position here at Eddie uh, Slutter had opened up, applied, went through the process. And dur- during that process, I also had to obtain my my uh teacher certification uh so which in the state of texas is not it's not simple it's not easy it's a it's a grind in itself um so um so but yeah all uh, nevertheless that's what kind of that's what kind of brought uh, brought us here the opportunity presented itself and uh interviewed for the position um and uh the luckily i was blessed enough to to have the uh, the administration, the athletic uh, athletic department, and the administration there at Isleto and within the school district to uh, to afford me the opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's uh, well, that must have been a big thing being able to to go back to to your hometown. But I'm I'm also curious of of how you were perceived coming back. So once the um, you're coaching high school girls. And, and you have them you know combining that that military background that military training background and your ussf and your nsc diplomas and licenses how were you perceived especially so if you could really take me through day one of uh, of preseason i could only imagine i'd i'd have been shaking at the knees to find out that my uh that my new my new coach you know um You know, served in the air force um, and a trained, a trained cadets. I would, um, and then some of the stories that you hear of, um, you know, of high school preseason, where where it's, it's, you know, very similar to say the the cross country or, right, or to um, or to the you know to the war movies that you could see the kind of training that you see see there. (laughs) How, um, could you shed some light on, on, on how that went? Yeah.
1: Um, so it was a really, it was a really cool experience from the standpoint of they, uh, when I first arrived, uh, you know what, uh, of course, so it was a complete to give you a better framework, to give you a better idea. It was, I knew it was going to coming in. It was going to be, a, it was a complete rebuild, it was a complete, um, kind of a, a, a complete. Hey, this is going to be kind of heavy lifting on the on the culture implementation side. Which, uh, and of course, anytime there's a new a new coach, a new coaching staff, and it's about it's about philosophy and how they view the game. And uh, but along the way, I think any any good coach has to also kind of get the lay of the land in terms of not just what. What talent they have or don't have, but to understand understand the background of each and every individual player on the team in the program in terms of what have they been through, you know what? Because at the end of the day, you know, as cliche as it may, as it may sound, I think the thing about cliches is they what we tend to forget is is they're rooted in in a lot of truth. And uh, what I found, what I have found along the way, is that no matter no matter what your qualifications and certifications may be um your your you know your athletes you're you know they're not going to really they're not ultimately going to buy in they really don't care how you know they really don't care you know what you know until they know how much you care as cliche as it sounds and uh so getting to know their stories getting to know what they've been through what the road that led 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 you to you know led them to you just as much as you to them um was a was a it was an awesome experience because what i found what i really found here with this group was a lot of the stories that i had kind of been told or warned i guess about they didn't quite match up they were if anything they were quite misunderstood because what i found was a lot of the young ladies that i um that I, that I inherited in the program where they were, they were asking for more structure. They were asking for more discipline. They were asking for somebody to, you know, to, to push them, to demand the best of them. Not, not just once every few weeks, but on a daily basis. Um, and I think I think you and I would both agree that when you kind of walk into that environment, that's kind of a coach's dream. And uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that results are going to take place on day one, uh, because it's still in terms of just like I said, culture implementation. It's it's a journey. It's a process. And it's a uh, the the biggest thing is is consistency. Because one of the things that I had also found was some of these girls, it was, they, it was, they were confidence issues and, uh, and, but where they were, I think on day one versus where they are today, as you and I sit here and discuss, this is incredible. It's, it's the real reason I think when you and I talk about, we talk about the word calling, it's a, you know, you can't put a price on that. And uh, you know, from where they started in preseason, as you, as you mentioned to now, it's, it's incredible. Um, they're just the, the structure, the, the, the discipline that they kind of already had within themselves. They just needed the, you know, they just needed to kind of be somebody, someone to be consistent with them and somebody that said words like accountability, leadership, character, respect, coachability, teamwork, the the, those words those buzzwords that can often sound like lip service they were suddenly not only hearing them every day they were being expected to you know live up to them every day and they've uh they've made tremendous strides in you know in our time frame from you know from july to now
0: that's that you know that that is really really good to hear that um and especially just um although i have um limited experience with high school soccer the fact that you had you talked about that that you wanted to understand your players like on a on a personal level that's that's really deep because you you think really you get um especially here in you know on long island in new york you know high school preseasons, maybe it's two weeks and then you've got like a september to uh late October season it's all crammed into there so to be um a lot of that time it's just you know and and this may be like generalizing a a stereotypical program but it's it's just run and kick run and kick run and kick and you never really hear anything about that about you know um not you know helping these these players you know off the field as well with you know with with motivation just with with leadership skills with with sense of community pride which i think is, is a big thing that can sometimes be lost um uh, so that you know that's really pleasing to hear you must get like a lot of satisfaction from that
1: absolutely it's it's the one thing i've i've found um that i really do appreciate about the high school game and i and i think if you've only been on one side of it, on the club side, I guess, if you will, um, it, it's hard to explain. But you know, on the high school side, one of the things that I really appreciate is is you're afforded the time and the opportunity to to really, you know, kind of forge bonds and build relationships with your players. Um, you don't you're not seeing them you're not seeing them for you know an hour forty five minutes twice a week or three times a week for training and then once or maybe twice a week on the weekend. It's, and, and although that's a good amount of time, but, um, when you're, when you're actually, when you're in the school environment, you're around them a lot more. Uh, you're around them, you're seeing them, you know, and at local pep rallies you're seeing them, you know, when they win different awards that aren't related to, to the game whatsoever, you're, you know, you're, you're fully, you're, you're afforded the opportunity to have lunch with your student athletes, uh, or, you know, or inter- or call, call select meetings to discuss different events. You can spend time with them during, you know, uh, a week of homecoming and you see, you start to see different sides of them that they're, they're naturally afforded team bonding opportunities that, that don't exist, I guess, on the club side. So, so from that perspective, and, and that was kind of what I wanted to see for myself. That was kind of what I wanted to experience for myself from that perspective. It's, it really is a, it's, it's an incredible relationship builder. You know, if, if a coach is there for the right reasons and doing it for the right, you know, doing it for the right reasons with the right intent. Um, but if it, you know, if otherwise it, it could, <laughs> it could feel like a, uh, a long season, I guess. Otherwise, if, uh, if your intent, you know, if your heart isn't true, and you're not in it for the right reasons,
0: yeah, Hector, this was was excellent. I I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Uh, I felt like we got like a, a real insight into your, to your background and working in the air force and how that has, you know, helped pe- you know soccer players in the community. I I really appreciate taking the time to speak to me. Thank you, Hector.
1: Thank you, boy. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I'd be, be remiss if I didn't get to at least mention that I really uh, I really appreciate what you're doing um, with your local podcast as far as the emphasis on youth, not just youth soccer, but you're really looking at things from, from different perspectives, different angles, and uh, looking at it. I guess I know one of the things you mentioned as far as wanting to look at it from my from the perspective of, hey, how did a uh, military background help you with a successful coaching you know, coaching career? And uh, that's not really, that's not, I'm not gonna say that's not out there at all, but it's not really on people's radars when it comes to looking at the game. And they're, they're looking at it from the perspective of, there's so much leadership opportunities. And one of the things that I, I value, when I, I mentioned it earlier with veterans advocacy, is is getting more veterans involved in the game as coaches as uh, or even as administrators or leadership in the game you have a lot of you have a lot of veterans out there that are trying to be part of what they're used to which is being a part of something bigger than themselves and uh, so you know if you know why I kind of jumped at the opportunity when you asked me to you know be a part of this podcast was because if If I can help bring some of that to light a little bit and spread that message a little bit more and look at it from a different perspective in regards to, you know, uh, veterans and being part of this, you know, this beautiful game that you and I call a calling. um, I was all about it and I appreciate it. And I just want to tell you, you know, it's just a tremendous blessing, obviously, when you and I first got to meet going through the premier course in Chicago a couple of years ago and uh, just continue to keep doing what you're doing because I really appreciate it.
0: Okay. Right. Thank you, Hector. Hector was very generous with his time. We probably talked off air for another hour. Once again, I met another remarkable person who I met on a United Soccer Coaches coaching diploma. I really admire Hector's passion for soccer and his services to the community and his country. His dedication to his profession is one we can all admire. There are many veterans who struggle to readjust to civilian life. This can only be worse for people who suffer debilitating injuries. Hector's self-belief, motivation and discipline are truly remarkable. You have to be such a strong character to rehabilitate oneself mentally and physically from such injuries. I do get a lot of satisfaction knowing that soccer contributed to helping Hector recover and gain a new purpose in life and an avenue to continue serving his community and country. It must be rewarding that Hector has been able to take his military training and transfer it to the classroom and soccer field. It was also pleasing to hear that a major part of this was connecting with student-athletes on a personal level and not just physical training. I hope this podcast will give soccer clubs, businesses and organisations a good reason to hire a veteran or give them the opportunity to volunteer in, in your community. There is a continuing theme with all the coaches I have interviewed. We can only improve the standard of player, coach, and club development if we invest in people and education. Thank you for listening to the PK Soccer Podcast. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Kelshaw, Instagram at Paul Kelshaw, like my Facebook page at PK Soccer Inc., or send an email. Paul Kelshaw at pksoccer.org. I would also be grateful if you could give the podcast a review and a rating and share with your fellow coaches and friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.